This is Two Dudes Reviews Reviewing stuff you might find in a store Two Dudes Reviews One of us has hair, the other wishes he had more Two Dudes Reviews Hey, it's Jabe and Andy with uh, Two Dudes Reviews with, uh, with uh, You're Andy I'm Andy, you're Jabe That's right uh, By the way, you can That's see the, uh, the video for this uh, Mike Mike Protish from uh, from Red Sun Rising. See the video for this on our YouTube channel. And then uh, Ken, Ken Anthony or Ken a actually uh, was in part one of our other videos. Which one was it? Are we talking about maybe the Papa, Papa Roach album? Papa, yeah. yeah, the Papa Roach. Album. Uh, Ken, Ken's one of these uh, industry bigwigs. Lives down in Los Angeles, and uh, and he's a, he's a, on the record side of things and radio side of things. Uh, Ken, he's the, an all around guy. He's, he's an all around guy. Congratulations! <laughs> oh, and we're also reviewing the uh, number two cigar of the year, 2015. Uh, cigar aficionado, the Cuban Partiga Serie D number Partica four. Serie D, can we? Robusto. Can we, I like that. Let's, let's see if we can show that uh, with yeah. smoke and all. That might look pretty good. It looks pretty good. Yeah, but Andy's is not. It's a fake. So. Andy's <laughs> is fake. They gave me the dime store. The they just put a new. They put a new. They just put a, they just put a, they just put yeah. a ring on we, it. We, yeah. We paid a dollar for it down at the store over here. So. Goddamn Zycar. That is the best dollar cigar I've ever smoked. It's operator error, dude. It worked fine for the rest of us. There you go. There you go. So, Mike, new album. Mm-hmm. How's it going? Uh, man, we're stoked to get it out there. Like, kind of itching. Um, we got the single out, Death Wish, and then we just released a, uh, a second song, Fascination, on, like, the streaming sites and with a video, and um, I th we're just excited. We just can't wait to get it out there. It's, like, it's, it's hard to hold back at this point, you know what I mean? The album cover almost has like a, a Beatles kind of hippie dippy vibe to it, man, and uh, and and I, and I like that. It's obviously done on purpose. Listening to the album, I'm hearing a little bit of uh, like you know some piano calliope ish stuff in there. Yeah, it's pretty cool, man. Thank you. Yeah, we. Uh, I mean, we're definitely huge Beatles fans, and there's multiple times over the history of this band, and especially on this record, where we referenced. You know what would the Beatles do, and and we look at them for inspiration, which many people have, but um, but yeah, I'm glad that you said you said that because. Uh, By the way, Mike has the uh, the the wristband that has WWBD on it. What would the Beatles? That's do? true. That is yeah, true. What would the Beatles cool. do? I like it. <laughs> well, and on this album, you've got this little. Is it a toy piano? What is that yes. little? We saw that this. That is cool. It was like this little. The weirdest thing about it is we went to this um, studio in Grand Rapids, and it was like this shitty. I wish to say shitty because the guy was amazing and he had good gear, but it was, I, I, it was more of a, uh, like a hobbyist type studio. It wasn't a pro studio by any means, but it was like it was inexpensive, so we could spend like a, you know two weeks there and just record demos. And he had this little crazy piano. It was like kind of out of tune, and Rick started playing um, the song "Evil Like You" on it, and it was so creepy. It was like, oh my gosh, like we might have just summoned something because that was so creepy sounding <laughs> yeah. we're like we have to put it on the record so we recorded it um at that session in grand rapids and then we went to the studio in uh at sonic ranch and they had one we're like what are the chances i've never seen one in person really just little like just handmade piano huh. and i was like what are the chances that both these studios had one of these so we're like it has to go it has to stay wow and went on the record fantastic yeah, an evil. Like so that's you. the story it's of the creepy piano. Yeah. I, like it. I love the creepy and piano. You, you can hear it very pronounced on yeah. "Evil Like You" at yeah. the end of yeah. the album. By the way, um, 
And so, some bizarre song titles. You have to tell me, Mike, what inspired you to you know to write a song <laughs> named Benny Two Dogs or uh, El Laszlo, which, by the way, is, is, am I pronouncing that right? Laszlo. El Laszlo. El Laszlo. El Laszlo. Uh, one of the standouts on the album, Dynamite, Dynamite song. But what inspired Benny Two Dogs? Benny Two Dogs is a real person, hmm. and uh, it's a guy we know from Akron, and uh, he's just one of those guys um, that no matter how hard his life gets, he's always happy, and he always gives to his friends, and uh, it was kind of our paying respect to him just for being a good dude, mm-hmm. and uh, that's his nickname, which we created out of, you know, that, that's a even longer story of where yeah. he got the Benny Two Dogs name, but That's okay, we've got real plenty person. of time with yeah. the cigar here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's a, he's, a, he's, a real, he's a real person, and uh, I think that's why that song was so original, because no one else, we, no one else could write that song about him. It just can't happen. Yeah, sure. So... That's cool. You, you get most know. of your inspiration for the songs that uh, that you write, Mike, based on just life experience, or is uh, I mean, it, you know, some writers like to write from you know going back to novels or history, or from a science fiction perspective, or sometimes politics. We're so divided in this country right now. Um, but what, what do you typically reach for when you're looking for inspiration in songwriting? I think it's just uh, it kind of comes to me, um, and I, I don't want to speak for Ryan because he he also writes. Um, lyrics with me, but for me, it's um, it's it's interactions with other people, or um, you know, sometimes I'll write in the third person, mm-hmm. um, or the perspective of of someone that told me how they felt about something. So, um, like we have a song called "My Muse" on on Polyester Zeal, which is right. a loved one watching someone suffer through addiction, yeah. and it's from their perspective. Um, so it just it can come anywhere, and um, you know, the song. Stealing life on this record was, you know, uh, I've I've been affected by suicide, um, not to bring it, make it he- this a heavy conversation, right, right. but I've been affected by suicide of friends and family. Sure. And uh, then at the time, you know, one of my heroes, which is devastating, which was Chris Cornell. So it's mm-hmm. like that's a, that was a devastating blow, and that song was written about that and coping with that and and uh, basically saying like, man what was going on in that person's head and it's like would you even want to know yeah if you could know what was going on in their head so that's kind of what that song's about mm-hmm. okay interesting man yes it's, it's brutal what do you think about this cigar yeah talk about yeah, yeah let's switch subjects <laughs> yeah how about, how about if, see in Cleveland they'd go let's talk how about them Browns mm-hmm. which is a huge joke Browns, right <laughs> um, did they win the game this year no, no, no. no they, they, they had a perfect season yeah, yeah, they had a perfect, perfect, season. perfect season. season yeah don't rain yeah. on our parade man perfect season right. perfect season <laughs> they, they, they threw a parade for that didn't they yeah they did they actually threw a parade but yeah I like this cigar it's um it's not like super dry you know, nice, tight, uh, uh, not too incredibly visible seams. You know, I, I definitely, it's not too toothy to the touch. It's got a nice kind of velvetish uh, feel. Yours drawing there. well, mine's kind of yeah, plugged up. Well, it does well, have well. a good feel to it. Yeah. I did notice that. Nice and, uh, veins. Nice, nice veins. veins. Real nice veins. When you veins. run your finger along the veins, it's just not <laughs> yeah. overwhelming. <laughs> <laughs> this so okay, vain-ish. you're going to edit that out. Right? <laughs> we don't edit anything out. Overwhelming was an interesting word to use. I, you know, yeah. I, <laughs> you know, uh, that's why Jave has me around. Yeah, Comic relief. Pretty much. <laughs> um, so you have your entire life, so they say, to write the first album. Mm-hmm. Um, did polyester zeal 
eclipse all of your wildest dreams or did it do kind of what you were expecting it to do as far as the success of that album uh i mean obviously you always want to say that you know you wish it could have done better but i can't complain in the slightest because um that record is got me to the next record right and that's why i'm here and that's why i'm talking to you guys and um we're proud of every single song on there um but just like any musician or any artist once you start evolving and you look back at that work and you're like i'm proud of it but i'm ready to move on from it and get sure. to this next thing um so yeah it's uh we did have a long time to write that and and the cool thing about that record is it's um it's kind of pieces from our past right. bringing ideas from way back in the day and writing things right there in the studio where um, we did a little bit of that on thread but most thread was kind of in the moment okay it's cool so pretty okay. much all new material you yeah. guys weren't uh, weren't pulling stuff from pre-polyester right. and maybe for this a, album. maybe a couple riffs but not songs so how long did it take you to write polyester seal we were just sitting we just did another interview with jonathan davis and this is current album it took him 10 years right to get out and so i it brings now that question to the forefront of my yeah. mind how long did it take you to write polyester zeal i would say it was over the course of um well, if you want to count, like, you know, Emotionless and Blister that were written, you know, in 2010, maybe, you know, but we weren't writing, it's not like we were writing Polyester Zeal that long, we were just writing songs. Yeah, sure. So when it came to writing the record, the the songs that we wrote for the record in the moment, maybe a couple months, um, but we had all that other material to kind of support it sure. um, and fill in the gaps where we, you know, couldn't come up with anything right we've spoken to artists who um you know when they're preparing for a new album they get into a jam room and they write their songs together yeah in a jam room and it starts off as a riff or whatever and and we've also spoken to artists who you know everybody brings pieces of the project pieces of a song together in the recording zone to build these songs um What's your approach on that? Does everybody get together to jam in a jam room, or do you kind of piecemeal things together, different ideas? Like this riff might want, might go well with this. Yeah, it it was it was usually Ryan or I that come would come with an initial idea, and then Ryan and I would sit down and hash out the general outline of the song. We'd write the lyrics together, um, and uh, even if it was somebody's song altogether, you know, one of us would always add that one thing that was missing. Mm -hmm. um, so that always worked. This is the first time that we tried to write in a room as a band, and I gotta tell you, that first week was brutal. Yeah. Everybody's throwing their idea, their opinion, mm -hmm. and um, you know, I'm not gonna lie, there was there were some fights, and um, but once everyone realized, like, look, if we just figure out, instead of focusing on trying to have the idea, let's look at the song and serve the song always and um everyone has their can have their opinion but at, the, at a certain time so i think once everyone found their role and what their strength was as a songwriter like you know you know dave is just really good at finding little connecting riffs and mm -hmm. and chord changes to get to the next part so like he focused on that like those transitional things mm -hmm. ryan's really good at the top lines with the weird effects and stuff he's always been yeah. good at that and um Obviously, I write a lot of the melodies. So, like, once everyone found their thing, it started to fall together, and then it was smooth. Yeah. But that first week was rough. You guys had such a grueling tour uh, tour schedule. 
around uh, polyester zeolite. I mean, you guys must have toured so, to support that, what, two and a half, three years, something like that? It was yeah. a pretty long process, right? Yeah, it was almost three years. Yeah. And, any song uh, uh, you, you could just uh, go the rest of your career without ever playing again on stage? <laughs> I'd say the other side. Other side, really? Yeah. Why is that? I don't. I don't know. I just, even though, you know, I wrote it. I. It's one of those songs where, I don't really connect with it that much anymore, huh. and it's weird to say, but emotionless. That song evolves for me. Like even the meaning. Like I know there was the meaning I had from my dream in the moment, but then, you don't know what that means. Like when you have a dream, you don't know what a dream means, and yeah. that song was inspired by a dream. But the more the more I live and I think about it and think about what was actually being said and what was happening in that dream, I apply it to different things in my life. So that song like evolves with me. And uh, but songs like that, when when people really know it and the crowd sings it back, like even if you're sick of playing it, that yeah. breathes new life into it. Each crowd brings breathes new life into the song, so it doesn't really matter. Okay. Well, yeah, and you have to imagine if a, if a song is popular, right? As much as you might not want to play it, as as a you know, as a fan going to a show. Yeah. Right. I want to hear that song. One hundred percent. We all want yeah. to hear that Can't song. Deny. We know. Yeah. Um, and and so yeah, it's it's probably some nights I would imagine it's got to be tough. Yeah. But uh, but that's the other side's a good sing along song. So yeah. It's a good. Hey, Mike, one. if I can ask a question. Sure. Yeah. Um, who are some of the bands that um, you were really into growing up? That kind of I know it's maybe a, a little different take on influences, but what were, like you mentioned the Beatles, but yeah, some of the other bands that. I went through like so many phases, and when I would get in a phase, I would hit the phase like really hard. So when I was really young, it was Aerosmith and like Steve Miller Band, because that was what was being played in Beatles. But that yeah. that was what was being played in my house gotcha. by my parents, and uh, I just love that. And I love that the big guitars with with big vocals. I I started to like really love that. Then I found the grunge era. And I found like Soundgarden, Alice in Chains, mm-hmm. Stone Temple Pilots, and that was. I think those are the bands that made me want to make music, though. So I always loved music growing up. We had a piano in my house. My mom would play, and um, my dad was always playing music. And but um, but until I heard like Chris Cornell sing and like mm. Alice in Chains, that's when I was like, I want to actually do that. I want to. I want to be. I'm sure you've heard that a lot of times. People hear that first album. And that those are some of the bands that come back. They say mm-hmm. it sounds a little bit like this or that. that. So yeah. it was obviously an influence for you. Yeah, and and then you know I went through my my metal phase when I was in high school, and I was just like, oh, I listen to metal. What's your favorite metal band? You know, what I you know, I listened to Fear Factory. Like I oh, was no obsessed way. with Fear Factory and Lamb of God okay. when I was in high school. Yeah, yeah. But I mean, I love the classics. You know, Pantera and Metallica, obviously. Um, my mom threw away my Metallica Master of Puppets uh. set. Uh, because she thought it was satanic. <laughs> <laughs> it was that and my Tupac. I had a Tupac record. Oh, my God. And uh, she threw them both away and snapped them in half right in front of me. I really. understand the Tupac, but the Metallica. Yeah. <laughs> she thought they were satanic she saw the crosses and stuff. Yeah. We're like, oh, just, that's not satanic. You you guys could uh, go out on tour with, with one band out on the road today. What would be like the ultimate to, to, to you know solidify in your mind, wow, we've made it? I would say... Tool, or mm. Perfect Circle, or um, System of a Down. Are you a fan of the math rock, the proggy type of stuff? A little bit. Yeah. Like I, I was a huge Rush fan. Yeah. Um, I got yeah. to go see them for my fifteenth birthday. Wow. And um, but yeah, I, I, I like that kind of stuff. And Tool, I, I obviously love Tool. Um, yeah, 
Uh, nothing else to say about that. Right. Who, who, who else? Who influenced? You have a very unique vocal style. Your voice is very unique. Were you I, always a singer? Yeah, yeah and you no. mentioned uh, Chris Cornell. I would, I would not just blowing smoke, but I would definitely put your you voice up there. You are blowing smoke. I am literally blowing actually, smoke. Literally, but, that's but, the yeah. one time this actually applies. Yeah. Um, no, I just, I, I just, I just kind of wonder: is, is Chris Cornell was he a major influence to your your vocal styling, or, or is it, did you just let it come out? Um, there was a time where I wanted to be like I actually wanted to sound like Chris Cornell. Wow. Yeah. Until people said. You sound like Chris Cornell. You kind of sound like Chris Cornell, <laughs> and and it was it was flattering at first, and it's like I don't want to sound like yeah exactly like Chris right. Cornell, and as that was a maturity thing, mm-hmm. and then and and um, and a confidence thing, mm-hmm. and so I I just started to like play with my voice, and I was like you know what what's what's just comfortable instead of trying to make myself sound like that, what just naturally comes out, and I got better at um, being comfortable with just letting my voice do what it's going to do. And it's not only easier to sing that way because it's natural, but it created something that some, someone else can't replicate because yeah. it's my voice. Yeah, you see these bands that, uh, that that go out and you know follow your grueling schedule. I think um, you know like Shine Down initially comes to mind, or or Hailstorm, Lizzie Hale, and, and how hard she sings up on stage. And you see these bands at the beginning She's of incredible. a process, and then you see them. You know, a year and a half into the touring cycle, and the notes are a little flat. You can tell they're a little bit more haggard. Um, and seeing Red Sun Rising three times over the span of, you know, uh, late 2006, uh, 15 into 16, you know, your voice actually sounded better the third time I saw you in a smoky, dank little club uh, than I think the first time I saw you. What What do you do to keep your voice in check? I mean, I'm sure cigars and whiskey don't really yeah. help and it's funny I, I do smoke cigars not, not so much on the road but I do enjoy cigars at home and, and, I, and I love bourbon but um, yeah I think mm-hmm. I think I'd just be I'm just smart about it um, you know stay hydrated and I've had mentors over the years you know um, there's this guy Dave Brooks who he lives in Akron Cleveland area and he was in a band called Slam and Gladys which they used to mm. tour with Janie Lane and, and uh, yeah. The Warren, Warren guys, guys. Yeah. and he was just—he's an incredible singer. And he's like sixty now, and he's still incredible. And when I was younger, he used to teach me how to breathe, um, you know, stuff like that. And then I met Kevin Martin um, from Candlebox, and we—I did an EP with him, yeah. and he produced the original version of, of Emotionless. Oh, no kidding! I had no idea. Yeah, yeah. and he—I remember him saying, "Man, you're 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 pushing so hard." He's like, "Relax and let the microphone." I never forget this. He goes, let the microphone do the work. That's why you have a microphone. Interesting. And I, mm. I got used to like being able to relax my voice and, and still get these sounds with compression, not so much just being loud as humanly possible. And uh, so, yeah, I, I have my off nights just like any other human being, but um, I'm getting better at, at uh, being able to pace myself to, to deliver a you know, a good show every night. Do you drink like hot tea before a show? Do you practice some vocal Only when I'm really and sick. all that stuff? Really? Yeah, I, I definitely do vocal warm-ups. Um, but, you know, sometimes when you're just feeling really good yeah. and you're just like, yeah, I'm not, I'll just get my warm-ups, which I probably shouldn't do. But I think one of the nastiest things I ha- ever had was a uh, Maker's Mark and hot water together. Oof. A buddy of mine used to drink this like it was going out of state. It was his drink of choice. It's just horrible. I would imagine it's probably not a bad thing for vocal cords, or especially yeah. if you got That's a sinus deal going right? that warm, yeah, but really heats that whole area. And, I mean, bourbon, you heat, heat it up? Nah. Okay, so Manhattans or Old Fashions? Oh, there you go. I like Old Fashions. Old Fashions? Interesting. Manhattan. Andy, you're a Manhattan guy. I'm a Manhattan Ken, guy. Crown and Seven. I don't like seven. either one of them. <laughs> Crown and Seven. Crown and Seven. <laughs> I definitely take a Manhattan, though. 
Yeah, I, it's it's a uh, especially the cigar. You said it's oh, a yeah. sweetness thing, and, right, Andy? Uh, yeah, yeah. The, the old fashioned is just too. It's too sweet for me. Yeah, yeah. So the Manhattan to me, and and when I make them at home, I make them less sweet, right? I, right. I, I use them maybe a little. You less like to taste? Me. Yeah, you like to taste the. I want to taste liquor. the whiskey, and that's uh, how I drink cheap whiskey. Is in a Manhattan. Yeah, there you, you go. Know, I've never put a good whiskey in. A What's Manhattan. your favorite bourbon? You know, a go-to for me is um, is just honestly bullet. Bullet. All right. I always I like have bullet. bullet. Bullet's bullet rye. So rye or or the rye. Yeah, the okay. And I like the really Woodford good. Reserve. I always have those two at my house. You want to, you that's want that's for you right if you would yeah. like some. Oh, yeah, I didn't even uh, see that. Oh, yeah, we got a little bit of ice still left in. Might I got a whole box of ice right here. Okay. Well, shit. Yeah. I'll down this real quick. Yeah. Suck it up, man. Come on, let's go. But yeah, I, I always have those Slack. two at my house for sure. And uh, I love trying. Uh, you know what I've really been getting into? And um, I can't uh, I can't remember any names right now, but the Japanese whiskeys are actually oh, yeah. really oh. good. We got a bottle of... Uh, Yamazaki. Yamazaki. We, we, we did a, a whiskey tasting. I was calling it Yamakaze. Yeah, it a, a whiskey tasting at one of the, one of the casinos <laughs> well, in Reno. We've been drinking. And uh, we were invited to this to go and do the video thing. And um, and so, you know, it's 100 bucks a plate, right? And they comp us out on the thing, and everybody gets their raffle ticket. And so at the end of the night, we're pretty punch drunk. And won a goddamn bottle of this Yamazaki. I felt guilty going and picking it up because all these other people have spent, you know, couple hundred bucks, bucks hundred bucks a head there but this Yamazaki man we babied this stuff some of the Japanese whiskeys is, you ever had a Japanese whiskey Ken? no I don't think I it's, oh it's kind of like, like a scotch and bourbon really? blended together mm-hmm. the Japanese people uh, the, the uh, distillers there actually traveled to Kentucky to try and find out the best of the way on how to make Kentucky bourbon right. and then took the idea um back to to japan and also spent some time in scotland looking at how to make scotches and blend of the two ideas so yeah yeah scotch can be a little too smoky we have actually and we found actually a a couple of months ago a place in reno that that uh asian fusion place and got to hang in with the owner of the the restaurant and by the end of the night we're three bottles of japanese Mm -hmm. whiskey in wow just he's oh you gotta try this or you gotta try that or you gotta try that so uh, it was it was a good time, yeah. So why? Yeah. Let me ask you this: mm-hmm. Why why Kentucky? Why are the whiskeys? Uh, I think uh, prohibition. Is it like well, why, why is it like Northern California with the the soil for wines? Does it have something to do with it, or is it just they just been? Uh, I think it just goes through, down through the ages, and and, there, and and I believe there was some certain yeast strains or something like that. I'm not sure about that. I mean, I just think that that everything I've ever read is it just sounds right. Yeah. yeah, it sounds right. <laughs> <laughs> you know, James good at that sort of stuff. We yeah. ask him because we figure he's the whiskey expert. Yeah. He's gonna he's gonna make something up that's good. No, I think honestly, if you if you go back, I bet through Prohibition, you'll find that that's where all the moonshine was run, and yeah. so it just happened to be that in yeah. Kentucky they were doing a lot of that and. Uh, oak barrels and now that you know, so yeah. the whole oak barrel. Well, the reason thing, I asked that is because it's different. Why right. couldn't it have been? Why couldn't it have been Akron, Ohio, or something? Why is it? We're too busy know, making rubber. Lynch, man. Rubber, <laughs> rubber, man. Heck yeah! You guys are making tires. Rubber White well, Castle is, and Wendy's. He is a Cavs fan, yeah. and what I what's interesting because I'm a big hoops fan. I'm a Lakers fan. Yeah. What's interesting is this year they're allowing the teams to have a little logo 
Yeah. And you guys have, is it, is it Goodyear? Goodyear? We have the wing foot. They have the wing foot on oh, their nice. I was stoked to see that. And because LeBron. It's so, it's so Akron. It's yeah. awesome. And uh, Ricky actually went to high school with LeBron. No kidding. And, uh, you know, every time we're in an interview, we always say, like, uh, whenever that is brought up, we're like, yeah, LeBron owns Rick. Uh, he owes him mo- lunch money. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> One day we'll get it back. One day you'll get it back. So with we can, interest, hopefully. Yeah. We, we can always tell out-of-towners um, to, to the state of Nevada because they pronounce it Nevada sometimes. Right, yeah. Um, do, we, when somebody says Akron, do, do you want to punch them in the jaw? No, we just laugh. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> we, but some, some people say uh, Akron. Oh, Akron. really? Akron. 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 Ah, I never yeah, heard like, that. Really pronounce the O. Like, so So we always go, I'm Mike Ron from Akron. <laughs> <laughs> Whenever somebody does that. I recently learned uh, taking the Amtrak train through uh, through Colorado, Colorado that is Colorado and not Colorado. Really? Colorado. Yeah. Colorado. Colorado. I think I said Colorado. Yeah. Which is well, weird yeah. because they say that we have the Akron A's, like that and okay. crap. Yeah. It's Real hard A's. There's an Ohio. That's right. an Ohio. Yeah. I, I work for a company and they're based out of Cleveland. So. You know what else my sister pointed out? She goes, you know another Ohio thing? I don't know if you guys noticed this, but like if we... Only from people from Northeast Ohio, I swear. When they bump into somebody, they go, Oh, sorry. Oh, sorry. Oops. Oh, Ope is always first. Oh, sorry. Oh, sorry. Wow. And Devil Strip? You heard of Devil Strip? No. The Devil Strip? No. So, you know, the patch of grass, and you can Google this, it's only an Akron thing. Between the sidewalk and the street, there's a strip of grass. Right. And we call it the Devil Strip. So, like, my mom or my dad would be like, Hey, take the trash out to the Devil Strip. Wow. And until I started traveling, I didn't realize that that was not a national yeah, thing. Yeah, we've never heard of it. I've yeah. never heard of it. <laughs> Everyone That's calls wild. it the devil strip. And if you step on that crack in the sidewalk, you're going to break your mother's back. back. <laughs> <laughs> and if you step on a line, break your father's spine. Oh, I had no idea. Oh, oh? Hey. What, uh, what do you do for fun, man? I mean, what does uh, what, what is, what is a fun day look like, Mike, in, uh, in your world? It de- I guess it depends on... Uh, the weather where i'm at um i live in chicago if it's you know there's there's days where i want to go like bro down with my buddies and go watch football saturday and okay drink yeah. or there's days where i want to go sit by the lake and write lyrics um or smoke a cigar um you know being in chicago with all the restaurants i love every time there's um, a new restaurant that opens like we go try it and um I'm a big foodie in that regard. Just love trying. So, um, okay. Uh, pineapple and Canadian bacon. Is that cool to have on pizza or hell no? I like it. Okay. I like it too. Yeah. I don't know if it's cool, but I like it. Oh, New York style uh, pizza or Chicago style pizza? I like New York better. So do I. We went to, uh, is it Luminati? Luminati's. Yeah. Uh, I just, I just, it's too much. It's too way much too much. We yeah. had some uh, of their pizza last so, time in Chicago. I'm not a like, Chicago ah. fan, but I was in Chicago in November. Yeah. I go every couple of years. Uh, for a, tra- a trade show out in Chicago, mm-hmm. and uh, I had a deep dish thin crust pizza. Interesting. Mm, uh, started with a, a Luminati's. Yeah, Luminati's. Yeah, Luminati's. That was a thin crust. It was a thin crust, but it was a deep pizza. Right. Versus the big, thick three inches of bread you get at Uno or someplace like that. Right. My favorite pizza, though, is the simple um, Italian style with the, the buffalo like, mozzarella with the basil. Oh, and yeah. The real thin. Yeah. yeah. Is that Sicilian style? Sicilian yeah, that's style. my okay. ultimate favorite. Yeah. I could eat that every day if I, if I could. Have yeah. you been to Italy? Before? Yeah, yeah. I have not been to Italy, but okay. I understand that they laugh when when, <laughs> when we say we're having pizza over here. Yeah, why yeah. is that? Because it's I guess it's 
really different. It's today, not. Right? Yeah, it's, it's not it's really not, as common. Not like what we. Yeah, you're never going to see like a like a Papa John's style where you just order a sheet of pizza. Like that's yeah. not very common there. Um, the more of what I just said, which is like a slab of mozzarella on there and basil, but it's and fresher, spices. right? I mean, yeah, yeah, really yeah, for sure. Yeah. For sure. Wow. And yeah, we. I was lucky. I got to do. Uh, I went there for a wedding in the northern Barolo region, and mm. I, um, the the person I went to the wedding, they own a vineyard. Wow. In the countryside, and it was the most picturesque thing, and I got to just drink so much wine. Oh, yeah. And uh, so then we made a little trip out of it and did two weeks and just kind of roamed around Italy and hit all the... you a bigger fan of Italian wines or uh, California wines? Cal- California wines are getting very good. Yeah. I mean, they've always been good, but I've never really, like... Until then, and I saw the process of how wine was being made because we got to visit a lot of vineyards, I started to appreciate and pay attention to more of, of what I actually liked. Mm-hmm. Um, Speaking of which, because we're talking about the NBA, mm-hmm. I just read an article about NBA fans, and LeBron is the biggest wine snob oh, yeah. on the planet. If you follow him on social media, he's yeah. always got a glass of red wine. Huh. And a matter of fact, the Cleveland Cavaliers' story was they had a special uh, visit to some of the wineries and they just the cabs and they spent like a whole evening sampling all these wines and I forget the name of the winery but apparently he is an absolute wine connoisseur yeah, yeah he's well a, you know he has the money guy. to buy yeah yeah, the wine the, the, the good wine right I mean you know, I want to try Maynard's wine oh yeah we've had it it's, it's not, not that good. incredible not yeah. incredible no it's not that good it's Arizona so how good can it be see that's what I thought it was very interesting that he chose that I mean it's different Makes yeah. them different. Yeah, but yeah, we, we, we did a review actually uh, of, of the Arizona Strong Roll from him. Mm-hmm. Eh, and, we, and again, we're, we are spoiled. We do drink good wine. I mean, it's just, yeah. it's like anything, right? You get used to drinking good good liquor, it's hard to go back, right? Yeah. We're used to smoking Cuban cigars now. Yeah. It makes it really hard to go to right. another cigar. Right. It really is the, 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 the Cuban cigar. And right now, here on uh, almost the third, third, I'm yeah. getting some of that creaminess, that. Uh, Real earthy, it's really, you know, really the, delicious. The thing about these organic, the, the, the Cubans is you don't get that real sharp um, uh, mineral f- flavor that you would get from a Dominican Republic, you know, or uh, or even a Nicaraguan. I think Nicaragua is probably the closest to uh, to a great Cuban cigar. But Nicaraguans, they're strong. They're, they're something that you know the Cubans are like. You can get a little buzz on it, but it's kind of like what what you were saying, Mike. You can either have pizza in America or you can have pizza in Italy. You can have a cigar from somewhere else, or you can have a Cuban. Right. There are just certain places yeah. that are the essence of... Well, and I think it's a process. We yeah. talked about the way they make pizza in Italy, right? So yeah. it's going to be that thin, wonderful dough. And yeah, they don't care what it looks like. Right. No, right. no. It's right. got to be right. some sort of flat dough, right? Yeah. Olive oil, mozzarella, basil, maybe some tomato slices on there or something. That's that's what, to me, what a Sicilian so, Do you guys know is. about the, like, the Italian wine... The tag at the top, the the, the DCGC mm. yeah, tag, the quality. Yeah. Quality so level. if you if you're looking for Italian wines, like if it's a Chianti or something, for it to be able to be called a Chianti or a Barolo, okay, it has, it has to, to have that tag at the top. It's a really? little gray tag. It's I think it's like DCGC. Okay. I don't remember what it stands for, but it's actually a committee that approves it to be representing that region in, in Italy. They, they they approve it, or is it they do it there, yeah. right? Yeah, so they're so so wow. if you ever if you ever want to even if it's a cheaper wine, okay, make sure that that's there if you're looking okay. for Italian wine. Hmm. Um, I learned that there. Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. I've been there. It's mm-hmm. awesome. 
I didn't like it. I, I thought been it, there and probably since I was like five. I thought it was great. I mean, it annoyed I, I'm, I'm me. I'm kind of a why? Why did it annoy you? Because um, I didn't feel, you know, number one, I, I don't think that uh, a band like Judas Priest not being in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame that's like sacrilege. But you can go to the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame and there's two live crew in there and there's. There's stuff that, to me, wouldn't necessarily I'm be about the museum. I'm not necessarily in the talking of the Rock about and Roll whether Hall of Fame. a band gets voted in or not, which is a total topic. But I'm talking about just the Rock and Roll Hall of yeah, Fame. There's some cool Cleveland. stuff there. It's I like a giant hard really rock cool. cafe. I thought it was. Yeah. I thought it was cool. I mean, <laughs> it is um, as you walk around this place. It's this yeah. is Rock and Roll Hall of Fame as Definitely. far as the museum goes. It really is. You look around uh, out out in front. Of, I was looking at. I'm a drummer, so yeah. Um, I was looking at all the drum kits. Alex Van Halen's kit from 1995. That's so cool. Yeah. And I'm looking at that kit, going, "Holy crap!" You know, because when you go to a show, you see them on stage, and it's this big, bright, shiny thing. And this this little thing out here in the in the case it looks like a piece of crap. You we're know? definitely uh, <laughs> gear nerds in this band, and yeah, we love when we were opening for a band. Um, and just like seeing what their setup is, like what they're using. Sure. We love that. And uh, I know some bands just don't care, but, um, it, or they're just not that interested in that. But we love seeing that. It's just like so intriguing to see what, how people are getting sounds. And, Strat or Les Paul? Uh, it's interesting that you say that because I've always been a Les Paul guy. I started on a Strat because right. I was obsessed with Eric Clapton. Mm-hmm. Um, that was my first concert, by the way. And uh, so I nice. had to have a black and white Strat because of Eric Clapton, Cream, and. Um, but then I got a Les Paul because um, I started doing hard rock and the grunge stuff. Mm-hmm. And um, I just bought a Fender Jazzmaster 1965 reissue. Nice. I just love that wow. like spanky sound, and we used it a lot on the record. So I was like, I should probably buy one of these. That's cool. So now I've been using both Les Paul and the and the Fender. Okay. Yeah. Um, first concert, Andy. Van Halen. Van Halen. Van Halen, 1978. Okay. Wow. Nine. Awesome. Yeah, uh, Shit. And then two weeks later, Rush. Okay. That's it. Ken? Oh, man, man. Mine was, because uh, I'm probably older than all of you, uh, <laughs> it was the Doobie Brothers and Peter Frampton at Winterland in San Francisco. Nice. Wow. My first concert was, uh, first real concert that I remember was Kiss 1977 in San Antonio. But the first concert my mother took me to, I'll try and make the story relatively short, um, she sees that this band is playing in a place called Sunken Garden Theater. It's a Japanese tea garden down in San Antonio. And, uh, and so this girl that I thought was cute, Western girl, true Texas family, you know, the, the, I think the dad drove uh, a truck for a Frito-Lay or something, right? Uh, parents want to know, hey, where are you taking my daughter? What's going on? My mother goes over and says, oh, I'm just taking them to a concert in the park over at Sunken Garden Theater. So the, you know, the parents want to get all the, the whole low down, so we go and check out this show. It's Iron Butterfly. And I think it may have been oh the Inagata De Vita tour. <laughs> and we're hanging out at this concert, you know, with this very conservative, you know, country and western girl and my, my mother and myself <laughs> as these guys are smoking doobies next to us. <laughs> it's the middle of the afternoon. We watched three songs. It was the first time I ever heard my mother cuss as we were leaving the venue. My mother was, was a very attractive uh, woman, yeah. and uh, some guy whistled at her, and whistled more than just the quick cat call. It was yeah, multiple yeah. times. Yeah. My mother finally looked over and said, fuck you. <laughs> I went, whoa. 
<laughs> wow. First concert in a guy in a guy to Davida. Wow. In a guy to Davida. Fuck you. With fuck you. Girl. Fuck you. With that's pretty memorable. That's pretty memorable. Yeah. yeah. That's great. I don't know what the girl explained to her parents about the show in Sunken Garden Theater, but yeah. so your first concert. I was mentioned Eric Clapton. Yeah, I was Eric Clapton. Clapton. What a great first show! Mm. Oh my gosh! I was fourteen, and my mom got me tickets because um, she still had the connections from working at the Cavs, and it was at the the Gundarina at the time. Okay. And so she got us tickets, and I just remember, um, I was just like, Do you so remember what year excited. this was, Mike? This had to have been two thousand one. Okay. Wow. How old are you? Twenty two. No, no. I guess it was. Yeah, let me think. Let me think now. Now my now my showing my math skills. That's okay. Oh, it's all right. I'm trying to think when that was. Yeah, because I'm 30. Okay. 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 16 years ago. Yeah. 2002. There's a there's a really great yeah. special by the way on uh, Showtime about Clapton. You were Life, mentioning that. Life yeah. in 12 bars. Oh really? Wow. Unbelievable. Yeah. If you're a Clapton fan, whether you're a Clapton fan or not, it's like total like the history of rock and roll. Him and George Harrison. The whole story behind Layla, which is Pat. I mean. Yeah. Fantastic. You talk about a life. Yeah, that guy went through some stuff and totally. the sun and yeah, all that. Oh it's yeah, happened. It's really, really Real. excellent. Mm. My fourteenth birthday, no kidding, Tom Jones. Tom really? Jones. I saw Tom. Did you Jones. throw a pair of your underwear up I at him? Didn't. My mom wow. didn't even do that. Fourteenth birthday of Tom Jones. Uh, <laughs> yep. Well, my uh, my bourbon is uh, is out. My cigar is getting a little warm. Uh, great cigar, great conversation. Yeah. Uh, Mike Crotish from you. Red Sun Rising. The Mike, new album is called Thread. You, It'll hey, be available cheers. for thank human you. consumption. Cheers, cheers, thank you. When when is this album out and officially available? March thirtieth. March thirtieth. Yeah. All right. We and got some songs out now, so go listen. Yeah, the yeah. Uh, the like song it. Death Wish, incredibly cool. It's 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 definitely a departure from what we heard on Polyester Zeal. It sounds yeah. like you guys are uh, are really pushing yourselves to to switch it up a little bit and uh, and the songs. I have to admit, not necessarily one-listen songs, which which can be a good thing yeah. for us music hounds who tend to get bored easily with stuff that's a little too poppy. Um, so we this, a, the album is pretty deep. You're a bit self-indulgent at parts yeah. in this record. So no, that's cool. Congratulations on everything, Mike. It's uh, Jave, Andy, Ken, Anthony. You can look for him at uh, klos.com. Are you on the website there? Ken? Yes. Okay, and uh, and Mike Protich from. Red Sun Rising, it's Two Dudes Reviews. Check us out on the website, twodudesreviews.com. That's D-O-O-D-S. And uh, please, if you can spare a buck, uh, throw a crack of uh, <laughs> 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 give, give a donation via Patreon. You can find the link right there at twodudesreviews.com. Another podcast here on Podbean, and we'll talk to you soon. All right, that was... <laughs>